This is the Horse Radio Network. It's almost time for the best weekend all year, the Kentucky three-day event. We're gearing up for the big show with not one, but two competitors this week, and also Margs. Thanks for tuning in. From Heels Down Mag, a podcast where horse pros chat about what's happening in the horse world over drinks. Welcome Welcome to Happy Happy Hour. Hour. I'm Justine Griffin. I'm Jessica Payne. And I'm Ellie Wozniaka. Welcome to episode 97 of Heels Down Happy Hour. Hey. Hello, guys. Hello. I can't believe we're at Kentucky week. I know. Can you believe it? So close. I know. Gosh, and you guys are so busy. How many horses are you bringing? We are bringing five. That's a lot of horses, but it's a great problem to have. And we're super excited, but we're bringing two in the five star quantum leap and Van Diver. And then star witness and Camarillo, a younger horse is going to go in the four S and then we're very excited that this year they're bringing back the split rock invitational three star for the show jumping the CSI. So we're very honored that Quintessence got an invitational spot there. So very we're cool. super, super excited that he's going to go. His owner, Jane Dudensky, has always wanted, it's kind of funny, she's always wanted an event horse to be at Kentucky. Like that's been her like life goal is to breed an event horse to go to Kentucky. And she's, we've had probably eight or nine of her horses collectively between Doug and her and myself. And when Quincy was Four coming five. He's now 11. He came into the barn. He looked like he was going to be a top eventer. So Jane bought him. Uh, it was her first horse to buy, but she had always wanted like a Kinar baby. And he was Kinar. She fell in love with the breeding, fell in love with him. He went through preliminary and he was super scopy and almost a little too careful when he jumped in water. So we switched him over to the jumpers and he won the six-year-olds, the seven-year-olds, and show jumping and he just has like blossomed into this pretty incredible show jumper and this year she gets to watch her horse go on the other side in jumping so she's super excited she's going to get to come watch and see him go and we're really really excited about him because it's kind of making her dreams come true in a little bit of a different way that's so awesome Mm-hmm. It's super awesome. So we're really excited. It's going to be a very busy week for everybody involved, but we're we're really excited and kind of honored to have all of the really good horses going. So, so this episode is brought to you by Purina. All right, guys. So the drink this week, since we're we're talking about Kentucky, is I don't know about you, but I, I like one of the best margaritas I've had in my life is literally in Rolex arena at the Kentucky horse park. It's just like a very, you know, very like fair styled margarita, but they're so good. And like, they're dangerously good. They're like too sweet. So I thought our drink this week should be a margarita in honor of those delicious margaritas from Kentucky. So this recipe comes from New York times cooking, which I'm obsessed with. So their recipes never, never do me wrong. So this is a good margarita recipe. So the The recipe calls for two ounces of Blanco tequila, a juice or one whole lime, a half ounce of triple sec and salt for the rim, 
And a lime wedge for garnish. So basically, you're going to fill a cocktail shaker with ice, add the tequila, the lime juice, and triple sack. Shake, pour. You can pour right with the ice and into a highball or a footed glass. And you can salt your rim and garnish with the wedge. And voila, you have a margarita. All right, Jess, what do you have for news for us? So I told you guys a little bit about the Kentucky list for what we're bringing, but I would love to kind of do a brief version of what the five long list is looking like, because there are some really big hitters coming and it's going to be super excited. You guys can check out the full list on the three day event.com page, but I am super excited to see some horses from this state. Sarah Bullimore is bringing a horse there. Coleman, which is later in the episode, we'll talk about three of the horses he's bringing. Buck has a number of horses. I think he's going to pick between his four down to three. There is Pippa Funnel coming with two horses, which is pretty awesome. I'm actually really excited to see her ride hers. She has Me some pretty too. incredible horses. I'm really yeah. excited to see them. Like Her horses are pretty awesome. Michael Young is bringing chipmunk which is going to be another big heavy hitter boyd has his two tester leg and on cue bobby meyerhoff's bringing two horses lauren nicholson's bringing two horses joseph murray from ireland's coming over here i just mentioned how doug had his two horses one of my very good friends jesse phoenix has got two of her horses going Janelle Price on another one of hers, McLaren. She's not bringing the mare. She's uh, bringing the McLaren horse. So I think that one's going to really be in the mix. And it's just a really big list of heavy hitters that are going to come and bring a lot of horses. So I think it's going to be pretty interesting. You've got some newer horses, greener riders, but then some of you know the best in the world coming over. Yeah, I'm, I can't wait to watch. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be fun. It's going to be awesome. And I love that they've now mixed in the four short as well as the five star. So you kind of get to see even younger horses coming on, seeing, you know, not the exact track, but they kind of get to run through the beautiful hills and run that iconic, you know, used to have to wait till it was a five star. And it's, it's pretty awesome that now you get to bring some of the younger horses at the four star and bring them over and just do a short format and, you know, preparation for the long later on. So, Ellie, what do you got? So, I have an interesting study, actually, that I kind of always thought was an old wives' tale. Kind of like, you know, if your horse has got three white socks, you know, you shouldn't buy it kind of thing. But so, the study was actually done in Brazil. And this is the first time in any species that they were able to find, like, a genetic link between, like, the whorls. Like, those little, like, like some people call them, like, fairy prints or something. Like, the weird little swirls on either, like, the heads or the necks of horses. So this is the first time in any species they found this genetic link. And then these people in Brazil looked at like 340 some odd quarter horses and they like genomed them, which I think for my purposes is going to be a verb today. (laughs) And they found that there's a certain region of the like DNA sequence that is responsible for neurologic behavior as well as like follicle regrowth and repair. So basically what we've thought all along (laughs) is that is true. So they said like they compared it to previous studies that have found like if a horse has a whirl above the eye line on its head, those horses are usually harder to handle than horses that have a whirl either in their eye line or below. 
those are seen as like more manageable. But they found these genetic windows and explained up to 80% of the differences of all the horses they looked at with where their worlds were placed. And what they found, and I'm not going to say like the specific type of portion of the gene, um, you guys can look in the article, but they found that in comparison with humans, that same genetic link was found to where they could find chronic schizophrenia in people. So they haven't like proved anything with that yet, but they are trying to see kind of where to go with this study from here. So they're going to look at kind of like where worlds placements in terms of like performance horses and like who's more competitive and things like that. But it just kind of is another stepping stone that kind of proves that maybe these worlds actually do have something to do with behavior. That's pretty, pretty incredible. I know. I love this. Yeah, I was going to say this is a Justine article, actually, like this is right (laughs) up her realm. But (laughs) I really want to go like learn more about those individual horses and like what they saw. So we'll definitely post a link in the notes because I think this is something a lot of people are going to be interested to see what exactly they had research wise. So that's a pretty good one. Interesting to see where they go from here too. I'm like, I got to go check all my horses. I'm pretty sure all of them have whirls above their eye lines. That's why I'm a little scared. I'm like, maybe I don't like go look um, at mine. (laughs) Maybe I don't want to know. So Justine, what do you have? So shifting gears a little bit, we're getting closer to indoor season and the Washington International Horse Show is coming back. But after two years of being held outdoors at Tryon in North Carolina, they are going back to an indoor, but not the arena that they've always been in. So this fall, they're going to they're going to move into a different arena. Um, they're going to the Show Palace Arena at the Prince George's Equestrian Center in Upper Marlboro, Maryland. So it won't be like right in the heart of D.C. like it's always been, but it will be returning to a one-ring show format, which is more normal for them. And it will run Tuesday through Sunday, beginning October 24th and running through the 30th later this year. So it's exciting that it's getting closer to normal, right? The pandemic really shifted things for them. And that's why they moved to an outdoor format the last couple of years. But for anybody who, you know, is chasing points and is excited for the indoor season, Washington International is gearing up for a a great horse show. I've always enjoyed watching this horse show. It's it's like one of the bucket list ones for me. I want to go and watch as a spectator one day, hopefully when they're back in D.C. Shout out to everyone who's donated to us on Patreon. We really appreciate everyone who's helped contribute and keep this podcast alive and well. We love sharing fun stories with you and bringing you guys awesome guests. If you're interested in donating, go to uh, patreon.com slash heelsdown. And that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com. All right, guys. So for our product review this episode, we are reviewing the Eagle Gold Performance Ear Bonnet. This is a brand new product from Eagle Gold. Obviously, you know by now that we love their saddle pads. From the half pads to the cross-country pads to the hunter pads to the jumper pads, Eagle Gold makes wonderful performance fabrics. And they've figured out how to use those high-tech fabrics to create a really one-of-a-kind ear bonnet. So Jess, you've tried these out too, right? They're awesome. So we have all different types of bonnets. We do love that most of the time we use the soundproof because in a dressage and stuff like that, you can't actually use earplugs and 
a lot of times there's music playing and a lot of environment and a lot of the younger horses and everything we do use the soundproof and it's pretty awesome. The Eco Gold performance ear bonnets actually have the soundproof. And what I really like about them is a lot of the kind of knit ones that we've tried in the past, they kind of almost raise over the brow band. And so then they fall off almost and they don't really stay put. And these are quite wider behind the crown piece as well as in front that they make a really good shape and fit around the head very well that it actually lays in place and doesn't move. And it's that same material we like that the Eco Gold pads have, but then it now like sits down on their face. So it like doesn't move and that the knit kind of was moving a lot, especially if you added the soundproof to it. And it really just gives a classic look on the horse's face. So we have the all black one and we, we love them. So we show them they will be with us at the fort next week when we're competing. And so we really, really have found them to be some of the best show bonnets. Yeah, they're super comfortable. There's like an ergonomic feel to them that I think makes them more comfortable for the horses to wear. I got one to match my cross-country outfit. So I use a, a hunter green cross-country pad from Eco Gold. And nice. So the, yeah, so the ear bonnet, it comes in 10 different colors and a ha- a green happened to be one of them. And so th- it, I find it to be really sharp. So the 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 bonnet is actually black, but then it just the tip that goes kind of down their, their face has a nice green accent on the front mm-hmm. um, that I think look really sharp. So the last horse show I did was uh, a horse trial at the Florida Horse Park, and I tend to show in a hunter green show coat. So and I use a black pad, dressage pad, and I just thought with my coat and my black pad, the bonnet just looks so nice. And then it, it works so well, shifting to jumping phases where I have a green breastplate and with the green cross country pad, it like I just I got compliments on it, actually. And what's really cute about this ear bonnet is Patricia and the team at Eagle Gold wanted wanted the ear bonnet to, to stand for something. Uh, and so the message really is you and your horse are golden today and every day. And so the back of the bonnet's ears, just the very tippy tops of the of the ears are are dipped in gold. So you can see the gold little panels only when you're in the saddle. You can't see them from the ground because they're only visible on the back of the ears. And actually, I I wore a GrowPro at that horse show. So you could see the gold ears, Mikey's gold-tipped ears, like while we're running cross-country. And it's just a really nice positive reminder on top of, you know, this performance veil just does its job and that it's comfortable and it's noise-reducing and it's functional for any ring. It's just, it's a really beautiful bonnet. I've, I definitely have never owned a nicer bonnet, I would say. So if you're in the market and you want to match your tack, Eco Gold can do that. It can, you know, there's a variety of colors. It's comfortable for the horse to wear. There's a lot of airflow to it. I, I like that there's great ventilation. Plus it's easy to wash at home. It's easy to care for. And you could check that out for yourself by going to ecogold.ca. At Purina Animal Nutrition, we are focused on helping horses live their best life. For wholesome nutrition that performs, try Purina Omeline Horse Feed. Formulated with Outlast Supplement to support gastric health and proper pH, it helps your horse performing with confidence. Put our research to the test. Stop by your local Purina retailer or visit PurinaMills.com to learn more. All right, guys, I'm really excited to introduce our guest this week. It's Kyle Carter. He's not a new name to the podcast, but we're really excited to welcome him back. 
Kyle is a five-star event rider who's represented Canada at the Pan American Games, the World Equestrian Games, and the Olympics. He runs Carter Eventing out of Citra, Florida with his wife, Jennifer. Hey, Kyle, how's it going? Hey, it's great. How are you guys doing? We're really, really excited to have you back on the show, and I have a million questions for you about Ride IQ. But first, let's talk about Kentucky. You're headed to Kentucky this year, and you're going to be on a horse. I wanted to talk to you a little bit more about Ready or Not, your mare that you're taking in the four-star, right? Yeah, I she was at the four-star last year, and I'm taking her again there to try to contest a little better performance. <laughs> Well, I love her. She's one of my personal favorites to watch. And I know you have a special story. I'm wondering if you could tell us a little bit more about her. Yeah, I, she's, well, she's, I love her too. I mean, there's no, I, I just, I, I really enjoy riding her and having her around. And, it, you know, the thing with mares is when they, when they become your partners, they just, there's a little bit higher level of it than with a gelding. And she came to me having, was going prelim successfully, had, had gone, tried an intermediate and wasn't great at it. And the owner who was also her breeder and has bred a bunch of horses and was very heavily involved in the Tracaner Association. She just felt like the match wasn't quite right where, where she was. So she brought her down here for me to try, got on pretty well with her when she first came in. But I did say to the, to Christy Edwards was her name. She, I was like, you know, I don't think she's, she's not, she doesn't go the way that I want her to go yet, but I think when she goes the way I want to ride, she's actually going to be a lot happier. And that pretty happened pretty quickly. And she kind of went off and we did really well in the first little bit in prelims, um, really well in the two-star level and then bumped her up to intermediate. And she was uh, quite successful right off. She just, she really likes to be rewarded and, and, not told what to do, but like to have the partnership of someone is in it with her. And so Christy had her with me. She came in with a little foot injury that I kept trying to work through the spring. And we decided to give her some time off. So we gave her about eight months down and brought her back trying for the Pan Ams that next year and ran her in some intermediates and two star and did a three star with her. And I always said to them because of her previous injury that I wasn't ever going to run her fast until there was a time that it mattered or like on the day that like a, you know, a big trial. And so she always showed up and, you know, gets like a big ribbon or is sort of eighth or ninth because I end up with time penalties. And then after the Pan Am trials, we missed the cut, but Christy and I and her daughter were at an event. There was a, and my whole barn and um, Christy, was just, I mean, she's a wonderful person and I had a horse cut its face and she, she was also a doctor and she went into town to grab me some supplies for the horse. It just got a little cut on his nose. And on the way back to the show, she had a car accident and Chrissy was like, she was the most positive person. She was a little bit like my dad. If, if you said you wanted to do something, all she could think of, how do we manage to accomplish that? She was never like, well, you can't do that. They just, those, they just had that ability to kind of see how you might find pathways to success. And so I say that because she was an incredible person, but she was a terrible driver. And unfortunately she went off the road and hit a tree up by Poplar place and unfortunately didn't make it. So it was, it's been a real, it was a real struggle putting everything together. Her, her husband, who wasn't horsey, really wanted to keep ready going for the, it, the mayor's name is ready or not. And she wanted to keep her going for the memory of Christy because Christy had been really involved in breeding. But the day that 
ready was born, Christie was like, this is the one, this is the horse we keep. This is the one that's going to be the flagship of our, of our breeding program. And Christie had already produced several advanced horses. She had one end up at Kentucky already, but she just felt really strongly about ready. And, um, and Ward, her husband really wanted to see that happen. So we got a couple of supporters together. We need to probably have a few more in there and that's she doesn't run that often because we do have very limited funds to keep her going but we're very respectful of running her in with sort of the the best interest of the horse at, at heart but also with the memory of Christy which means that she will sometimes like we'll run her this year she did last year she did two four-star longs and this year so far she's only done two intermediates and then she's going to Kentucky to the four short and I don't know that we'll do a four long again this year because I just, I really need her to be there for as long as possible. I, I for me, as a, for my well-being mentally, I, I need her to, you know, be as, as have a, as long a career as possible. And for Christie's memory, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a pretty big burden. When I brought her back and ran her after Christie's death, I ran her at Red Hills for a big event. And I mean, I came off the course and it was just like Ward, her husband came up to me and like, we're both in tears. It's just, it's, it's awful. And it's also really wonderful because her memory's alive here, you know? So. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So it's been with, you know, I've, I've had her for about four years now, I think, and she's gone advanced for three of them. And I'm pretty conscious of, you know, she, she goes advanced. She goes back to intermediate and she's had some good successes. She won last weekend. She was third at the one before this. And that last week was a stable view. And, you know, I'd love to get, you know, a big win for, her. and maybe it's coming. I don't know, but I, I try really hard to, to keep, you know, the horse's longevity in mind and her happiness in mind. And she is really happy. And it's just good. You know, it's kind of funny. Like I, someone said to me at the last show, they're like, you know, I'd like to mic you up when you're riding her. Cause the whole way around, most events, I, I the whole way I'm talking to her and telling her how great she is, and there's a picture of me coming out of the water, going to to a corner, and in the at the top of the corner, she's jumping. She's a beautiful jumper, and my mouth's wide open. And someone was there that took the photo, and they're like, "Well, that's because you started telling her how good she was before she even left the ground." But you can just feel underneath you her sort of come alive, and when she comes alive, it's just like it's just it's a wonderful uh, it's just a wonderful feeling. So. Gosh, Kyle, you're giving me goosebumps. (laughs) Yeah, I'm a bit like a 12-year-old girl out there. I always say to people, I'd be so much faster if I just stopped talking to her and started riding her, but I can't, most of the time I can't stop myself, so. Aw, well, we're going to be rooting for you in Kentucky, absolutely. Thank you. (laughs) And to shift a little bit, I know you're running the four-star, but, you know, in past years we've had you on as sort of for our preview Kentucky episode where we've kind of you know, really analyze what's going to be coming out of the five-star. So I'm curious, you know, what do you expect to see out of the five-star track this year? Well, so I'm writing the the Chronicle preview again this year. I took it over from Jimmy last year and Jimmy Wofford. And it's been really cool because it forces me to sit down and actually go through people's, um, you have an impression of what people are doing and how they're doing. But now I actually am sitting down and I go through all their stats for, you know, the competitions leading up to it last year if i've seen them for maryland or kentucky it's a little different but we watch all the footage that we can of the horses going and it's an incredibly eye-opening experience because you think 
wow, they're at the five star. They just must have everything together. And then you, you go start going through the stats on some of them. You're like, Oh my God, like, I can't believe that seems like a good idea. And then you see other ones and you're just like, you can just see the success is about to happen for them. So I'm really excited to be doing that project because it makes me far more aware of the sport and how it's going. And so I think we're going to see a couple of things. One, it's world championship year. So typically those years are are pretty stout at Kentucky. If they're ever, I mean, I don't know if it's ever easy. I think the dressage, the horses so far that I've reviewed, I got halfway through my list so far and there are some exceptional horses coming this year from Europe. There's some very, very, very good horses from America. But I think the Americans are going to be really pushed this year to be able to take another five-star win. And last year, I thought that there was potentially a five-star winner in that group. And then I thought the same thing for Maryland. And obviously, Boyd won that. And I think this year, they could push. Sarah Bullimar is bringing a horse over. It's doing its first five-star, which always sounds like, oh, it's only doing its first five-star, so it's probably not going to you know, be a winner. But it's in the low 20s consistently on the flat. It was listed for Tokyo for Britain, and it's out of Sarah's one of her old five-star mares. So there's a lot of history, and I believe in partnerships, and I believe in breeding. And so I've got to think that if the Brits put it as an alternate, First of all, it has to be pretty solid. I did go to the European Championships, and I think it won a medal there. Its dressage is exceptional, but alongside that, it has very few penalties on cross-country time-wise, and I can't remember seeing a penalty on its record jump penalty. I'd have to re-look at that, but it looks like it's coming into its first five-star ready to win, and then in show jumping, it's been exceptional. And on that, one thing that people kind of forget with the Europeans coming over here is, first of all, they always bring, nobody's putting a crappy horse on the plane. You know, they're not looking for experience here. They're already getting experience. So they're bringing great horses. But the other thing is, is a lot of those British horses are jumping in mud and show jumping. So the jumps by the time the, you know, the horse that's leading gets in the ring, the jumps might be three to six inches bigger because they're sinking in mud and the footing's not that good. And then they come and they jump in Kentucky and rarely does a horse jump on that footing from mud and go downhill. So they have a bit of an edge because they've been, if they're jumping well in the mud over there, they typically get under the ring and get into the ring at Kentucky and they just jump that much better. So I think she has, I think she's got the inside track for the win. Obviously Michael Young's bringing uh, chipmunk, which I think is the best horse in the world. And obviously with the best rider, but I'm still going to bank on the partnership of Sarah Bullimer because I always think that should that should create a better edge. Maybe it's just a bit me being naive or just something like that. But Chipmunk obviously was developed by another rider. Obviously, Michael's done exceptionally well with it, as you'd expect. But I just like to think in the when the chips are down, the fact that it's a you know a mare with someone that's known it his whole life will that Sarah's horse is going to actually just do that, just that edge more. And that's what I'd like to see. And I would have pulled for Chipmunk all day long until I started going through all the stats and everything. So that's what I think. I think that obviously, you know, in America right now, I do believe that Boyd is, is in a, in a real good place. He's very healthy. He's got a very uh, good regime or plan to, to get himself ready for the event. And I thought Thomas had a good shot at it last year, obviously on, on cues coming off of a win. But my feeling is, is that Thomas is, you know, he had that one blip last year and that obviously cost a very competitive placing 
I think he probably is our best. I say R, I'm Canadian, but I'd say he's probably <laughs> North America's best shot. And then there's a few stacked in there right behind them that could jump their way into a competitive place. But, you know, there's just a, the horses that are coming over, like when you look at uh, like what Pippa, Pippa Funnel's bringing over, and those are incredible horses. And yet when you look at their their numbers, they're they're just a little behind where Sarah's horse and Michael Young's horse would be. So it, it's going to be interesting because you've just got uh, such a strong group from Europe. And I think the Europeans recognize the value of coming to Kentucky. I think that they come over here and, you know, obviously we know they have incredible events over there, but I think when they come over here, there just can be a little bit more pointed for the success because there's no distractions for them here. Whereas I do believe the American riders come to, to Kentucky and like, I know Doug's going and he's got some really good horses and should do quite well, but you know, he's also going to have obligations while he's at Kentucky. I know I'm interviewing a couple of times for him for Perina, um, same with Boyd. And so, you know, there's a lot of like Buck and I are doing a course walk for ride IQ and these things, they are not the things that necessarily put you in a place to maybe they're just distractions that sometimes those little distractions add up. And so I think the, I think the North, I think the Europeans also get that edge when they come over here, they come over and they're here. They, you know, they, they go and they, they're able to integrate with their team and their, and their, and their friends that are riding, but they're, and their owners are there and that sort of thing. But it's a little bit like they're removed and they're at a championship event and that some riders really benefit from that. Some riders are better with the distraction, but in general, what I think is that just being able to eliminate that extra distraction for one week allows you to take your level, your level competitiveness up one, you know, one notch. That's a good point. Interesting. All right. So this is sort of, uh, I can't not ask this question. So I'm just curious if you have any thoughts, Kyle, you know, heading into, into Kentucky, there've been plenty of American riders who've expressed some concern lately about the lack of leadership in terms of USCF. You know, it's been a little while since we've parted ways with Eric Duvander and there's not really any replacements yet. It feels like a, like a strange time going into the biggest five-star of the year, to not have leadership in place. I don't know if you have any thoughts about this being a Canadian. <laughs> well, we are the, we're the poster children for no leadership. I mean, we now have a, like Canada has been without anybody in the, at the helm for several years now. And I can tell you it is incredibly frustrating and distracting, maybe not so much for the top riders who have their programs together. Like it doesn't affect me very much if, Canada has no clue what's going on in the leadership roles. And the reason it doesn't affect me much is because I'm going to do, you know, at this point in my life, I'm going to do what I think is best for my horses. And that's the only thing that matters to me. And if it results in some sort of team experience, then that would be super. And I think the Americans at the very top level also are in that situation where they, where they don't need, like, I don't think Doug is looking for someone to hold his hand to be at Kentucky, you know, other than. No, but it's the people, the up and coming. It's when I was, you know, 12, you know, not 12, I was like 18 and I'm like, you know, bouncing around with Canada with you, Kyle. And we're like, okay, uh, we, I mean, we were very fortunate. We look to you and Mike and people for advice, but there's not really a ton of that. And that's, what's so hard in this sport for the U S I think. Well, that's, I, I totally agree with you. And I think that 
that's the lacking part, certainly the lacking part in Canada. And I say it every time I'm ever in those meetings when they actually, like, I mean, even if they want, don't want to hear it, it doesn't matter. The biggest failing is not for those top riders already going, but for the riders below them, they need direction. So you, if you don't have that direction, if you're not telling people this is the pathway to get to that next level, it's a major failing because it affects you in eight years. It doesn't affect you maybe this year. So no. you, with the Amer- with the Americans, I think when I look at what they're what they're you know they're lacking that top tier guidance. I think most of the riders are probably okay without it. And I'm not suggesting that they should carry on, but I think most of them are okay and they have their program, they have their understanding of what they need, and everybody understands the success end of it. And if you're a top American rider and you need someone still to hold your hand at that level, then I think you're already a little bit in trouble. However, when you're probably America, not the top, you're probably not really yeah. the top tier, <laughs> to be honest. You're not going to, well, you're not going to be very, you're, you can have top riders. I mean, we've seen individual medalists yes. come that were totally manufactured and guided for that one performance. And I think yes. that is where America has to always be open for. And I don't think England, uh, Germany, they're not looking for that. They need people that can competently handle themselves and they need the guidance and that sort of thing, but they don't need direction all the way through, let's say. But America, you have to have you have to have that top coach in there because there's gonna be someone that isn't good enough without that crutch. And there's nothing wrong with that. You just you no. need that little bit more help. But so I don't think going into Kentucky, I think it's frustrating, but at Kentucky, it's on you. And it's not a team situation. So the only thing that's lacking that way for me with when I look at the Americans is it's frustrating for all the riders. And then when they're at Kentucky, you're trying to get the verbiage of your coach and the understanding of your coach. So if you're at Kentucky and you have your team coach, like Eric was there last year, he starts to understand how the riders think and work. And now when he goes to a competition, international competition, he's able to help them better. And they understand how he thinks. So they understand the relationships of how they work. And I think that's the biggest value of a, of a good coach is that they, like, you know, which riders can handle a little bit more pressure, which riders you can, you know, you need to kind of be gentle around you. You start to figure that out. And then you, and the same end the riders start to get comfortable being able to speak to that, that coach and know and have trust. Like when, when David was our coach, the one thing I'll say is after the first team experience I had with them, we went to the Pan Ams in Rio when I came home and he wasn't my coach, but he was, when I came home, I was like, I would go anywhere with him. Cause I understand exactly what he's looking for now. Yeah. He's very, he was very clear about it with us, but when you go into that competition, you don't necessarily know that, especially if you don't have a lot of history with them. And that's where I think America is not doing a great job because their younger group is being guided. It does have a, you guys, America has a, we have a developmental program and all of that. Yeah. Yeah. A good developmental program. But I do think as well, I do think this is a bit of an American issue. Like I think the Canadian issue is that we need guidance because we are, we are lacking good leadership all the way through the system. Like there's not enough good coaches developing the people and guiding them as to what they should be doing with their horses to, you know, as they come on. Yeah. Um, I don't think that's lacking in America, but I think there's too much of the, like the up and coming riders that would 
you know, want to go and they'd want to like smooth up with Eric because then they, they think that's going to make them, you know, a more viable candidate. And they don't understand that the team cares about your performance. They don't like if the, if you are not disruptive to the team and you are competitive and you put, you know, you do what you're supposed to do, they're going to select you. And it's not a popularity contest. And I think that for the up and coming American riders, I think that's something that they do need to kind of look at and go, Oh, it's really on me to, to create something that they want to choose me for. And I do think there's a few riders there. that are definitely doing that. Like I'm, I think America's on. I think it's on track. Mm -hmm. I think it's on track. I I don't think also, I don't agree with how this has been handled at all, No, but at the same time, I think that they're, I think there's a lot of them that are better than they know they are. And they might just kind of go take a breath. I can see clearly what I need to do here, hopefully. Well, and not, not necessarily. I, I think I know a couple of those riders, like, you know, you're talking about and stuff like that, but just to kind of shift gears about those up and coming riders and stuff like that. I do want to talk about this program, Ride IQ, that you got Doug involved in and he loves it. And is that like, I want you to kind of tell the readers or the readers, the listeners, (laughs) This app that you've created, and I know you had a huge hand in developing it and helping it. And what made you want to be part of this? What made you kind of feel this was a good app to, and why this country needed it in particular? Yeah, well, so Ride IQ is it is for those for those out there that don't know that what it is. It's a guided riding app, so like Peloton for horses. So. What'll happen is there's a lesson you'll punch in, and that lesson is a recording of one of our professionals. We've got Olympic medalists, we've got world championship medalists, pure dressage rider with you know that, that, that's had a medal at the Olympics, and we're constantly adding coaches in there. But you get on, I get on, let's say, and I'm doing the recording, and I go from the start to finish in a ride, either a warm up or a skill work, or there's any choice, any number of choices of things that I might do. And the whole ride, I record and talk about what I'm doing with my horse, my position cues, just reminders of things that you're going to fall into bad habits that are going to happen with certain things we're working in. If we're doing shoulder in or uh, suppling work or trying to work on engagement, halt, things like that. And all the coaches contribute. There's not like it's not like I cover one thing. Every coach contributes a, a myriad of, th- of of different rides. So how it came to us is two former students of ours came to us and said they wanted to start this coaching app and they wanted to do recorded coaching lessons. So they wanted me to, and and my job is to bring in coaches. That's I'm, I'm in charge of faculty. So they wanted me to teach a lesson and they would record it, no visual, and then they would, you know, that would be the, what was on the app. And I was like, there's no way this can work. I just couldn't see my head around it because I'm a very, I've done this for a long time, very traditionally. And so we went through this back and forth for a while. And about the third meeting we had, they were like, Kyle, it's audio. Cause I kept saying, oh, we'll do videos. And they're like, nope, not doing <laughs> it. Cause it's already, their videos are already out there and they're not wrong in that the videos are really useful, but there, you know, you're sitting there watching this, but you're not actually involved in it. So you can't do it play by play. You can't put it in your ears and no. do it while you're, and that's what, I mean, I don't want to watch a Peloton thing and then get on for 30 minutes. I'm going to make it two and minutes into replicate. the Peloton. I'm just going to quit yeah. in two minutes and go, I don't remember what they said at that point. <laughs> yeah. So what we do is there's a video, you can, there are some of them have video supplementation so you can see what we're talking about, but their whole recording is basically 
the ride that I'm doing or any of our coaches are doing, and you know at the beginning because it's all written out what we're going to do so you can know this is appropriate for my horse or or not, or if you make a mistake and you get the wrong recording, it doesn't matter. It's not like you wasted a ride. But what they said is they used to go out and ride, and in a lesson it would all go well, and then they'd go to ride, and they'd be like, I'd go out there, I'd try to do some marks movements from the dressage test, and it would go terribly, and I didn't know what I was doing wrong. And so what happened is that the art, we had this conversation and then I was laying in bed that night because it upset me so much because I was like, I thought it was such a great opportunity. And I was like, but I can't do what they want me to do. And then at like two in the morning, I woke up and I was like, I think I see it. And I got up and I wrote down a bunch of, I, seriously, I got up and I wrote I'm down a bunch surprised. of things. I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised at all. Yeah. I wrote down all these things that I thought would work. And I went out the next morning and I recorded a ride. And then I sent it to all the people that rode with me. And it was really poor quality. And there was all sorts of things that were wrong with it. But I just wanted to see how, how it translated. Could they do it? And it worked, it worked really well. And then we just, from there, kept refining and refining to where we are now. And so this ride that you're doing, what happens is, and this is the struggle, and I see it all the time, and I'm sure you've seen it. If you guys, anybody out there that watches people ride, you watch them and you're like, what are they doing? They're just like this. I'd watch my advanced level riders ride around and do nothing. And I'd be like, they're just lazy. They just don't, they don't care. They don't want to do anything. And honestly, now I realize what it is, is they just actually had no clue what to do. They just didn't know what to do. So you just don't do anything. You just sit there and go in a circle. Exactly. I did three circles. I did a half pass. I guess I'm done. And so this gives a complete ride from start to finish. And it is incredible how well it actually works. Like I was a little, when we first started, I was like, oh, I think it's going to work, but God, I don't know. And then we started doing it. We got it out there and it's, it's absolutely on fire the way that it actually has helped people with their riding and riding their horses and making them into better horses, making more productive rides two things I think are really important with it. For me, when I ride recording with it or ride with someone's recording, I am way more just in that moment and in that bubble with my horse rather than when I normally ride and I'm riding around and I'm looking at seeing people, you know, not mow where I want them to mow or a fence board that's down and I'm distracted. With this, you are, you and your horse and then someone telling you what to do, but not interfering with what you're doing with your horse. And it makes such a great partnership. It's unbelievable. It's so awesome. Actually, it's yeah, been it's a been, lot of fun. We've got a patent pending on it. And it's got a bunch of other, I mean, it, it has a bunch of other aspects to it. Like I said, we've got video on it. We do fitness. We've got rider horse, rider fitness, horse fitness. Rider fitness is coming out, I think, next week. Oh, that's um, cool. We work... And we work in like, so we do open field work. We do, because that's the other thing is not everybody rides in the same place. So if I go ride with some great dressage rider, I'm in their ring and then I come home and I've only got an open pasture. How do I change my ride to adjust to that? So we cover that. We cover small arenas, indoor arena, large field, um, got, you know, riders that are riding in the middle of winter in the Midwest and how, what they do to keep things going and rolling along. We've got jump courses on there. We've got dressage riders. Like I said, we've got uh, hunter jumper riders and event riders. We're adding new coaches all the time. I think there's 20 some coaches at the moment and there's like 350 lessons up on it. Honestly, one of my favorite features is the hack chats, Kyle. Like I listened to one from Emma Klugman a couple of weeks ago, just like 
about her discussing her thoughts on, you know, the benchmarks you need to hit on when to move up. And for me, being an amateur, that was so enlightening and it was so easy to listen to, you know, at the end of my own ride. It's just so accessible. I I really appreciate the variety of content you have on there. And so I've I've also, though, before you even like go there, because we talk about all the content and I want you when you talk about the content, but I also want you to tell our like listeners and everybody You've talked about how it's evolved, but I want to know where more ideas, you slowly started touching on it, but what do you see like it continuing to grow? Like you kind of like these things, or are you just going to, the sky's the limit? Like, what do you kind of have in the uh, works besides the fitness? All it's going to take, like we have so many things in the hopper that we're going to bring in over the next you know, year we've got grooming lessons, we've got groundwork lessons we're doing, we've got dressage read throughs where you just hit the button. This is actually the most useful one for me. You hit a button and it tells you, it's basically, it tells you like you're riding your dressage test and what has happened is we've got a record, someone recording as though they're reading for someone in the ring. So that way it's in real time. So when you hit the button and you go to ride your test, someone's telling you where to go. So you don't get lost while you're practicing. Then we go and do dressage breakdowns with judges like Peter Gray, who's judging at the world championships, does a bunch of dressage tests for us and tells us what a judge is looking for. We're doing breakdowns from coach's perspective, and we're going to keep adding to those things. And then as we go further, we're adding in more content from like course designers, course builders. We're going to go through the ideas to be able to build up to like helping people under, like understand how to build jumps, how to build their arenas up, how to manage courses. Tonight, actually, there's an office hours because we do that every week, um, which is open to all our members to actually ask questions of people. So tonight we've got a professional farrier named Beck. Rach does work for me and I can't even pronounce her last name. Um, <laughs> and she's answering questions on, on feed and what she looks for and what she sees as common problems. And then if you have a, have a question, you can actually just dial in and, and ask that. And then it goes on to be recorded and, and stored on the file. And so the goal is, and this was the goal right from the start when I, when we talked about it before I, I even kind of could figure out how we were supposed to do it. I wanted to create a library of information for, from all sorts of different riding perspectives. Instead of Jimmy Wofford's perspective or Mark Todd's perspective, all the different riders have a different, they have, we all have a similar idea, but we all might come to it differently. And so we're trying to capture the essence of that. One of the cool things that we're doing on there that I, I think is going to be awesome is we're doing a progressive ride series and we want to add a bunch of horses to this but like i've got a he's a four-year-old colt now that i'm doing and i do a recording and just sort of go through what i'm doing with them started you know as a three-year-old and just talking about the process so that say this horse who i think is really special ends up going to you know i i don't know about the olympics because by the time that happens i'll be so old i won't be able to ride them but if he goes <laughs> up the level you can always you know what riley say, well, what you know it's fine riley can take him to the olympics yeah no no none of that um <laughs> so riley I, for so listeners is back, kyle's daughter <laughs> you can go back and see what a what a four-year-old did that then is you know oh my god that horse is really special but wouldn't you like to know what it was like when it was five or you know he went through a bad stage last year he's really well behaved but he went through a bit of a naughty stage and you know, I'm having to work through it on the mic, you know, and he's behaving like a, like a jackhammer. So the process is really interesting, 
when you look at it that way. And I think as trainers, and you've got it. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure you under, you can you can relate to this, but you know, you, like you ride a horse at the advanced level, and you think, oh my god, it's so well, and you feel these feelings, but you forget what it was like when it was going training. It was like you know wouldn't respond to the left leg or whatever, and and so this way people can kind of identify and see that you're, we're all working through the same problems. But one of the cool things is all the people that listen to it and are involved, and they start to understand that all the professionals are, we're all dealing with the same things that the amateurs are dealing with, that the young riders are dealing with. We're all dealing with the same, you know, you know, sometimes these things are good. Sometimes these they're bad. And we all kind of have to work through it because horses don't just come out of the box. Perfect. So it really, I think helps people get comfortable with riding at, you know, and, and owning their ride as opposed to, I can't ride and do anything unless my coach is telling me. And so it makes the coach's job easier. It makes the horse's job much easier. And we're just trying to make a better process for everybody. I think that's exactly it. And I think it's the arsenal is so vast at this point and that you can learn so much, but what I have to know, what is the most downloaded or like most popular lesson that ride IQ has put out so far? Okay, so I had to ask that because I, the, when it comes to any tech stuff, I'm a complete idiot. And that's the other nice thing with this is you can download the 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 ride at home, go and ride anywhere. You don't need you don't need Wi-Fi or service or anything like that. So our most downloaded lesson was uh, "Young Horse Full Ride with John Halling." That one I know people keep kind of you know putting back you know in our Facebook group amongst our members we get these, you know, people be like, Oh my God, I just rode with whoever they rode with that day. It's like, it's so awesome. Cause it's like, they're, you know, riding with, you know, Leslie and it's, they, they really feel that connection. So John's got a, a young horse one that people really respond to. And then I've got one with transitions that is, has also been very popular and then rider position with Holly Hap. And we, I've done a rider position one as well. Uh, Lauren Spicer's done one. We've got a bunch of people that kind of do replication ones, but certain of them really connect with people. And I know the one with Holly was, was really big. Doug did one for us on halts and I actually did it too, because like, I mean, I rode his ride because I felt, because people were like, Oh my God, it's so great. I got a 10 on my halt last weekend after doing what Doug was telling me to do. I, I'm like, Aww. I'm not even kidding. And I was like, you're like, I got to try this out. I got to get the 10 that's, now. <laughs> that's what I went and I went and I was like, I'm downloading that one and wrote it a bunch because I was like, I just want to know what is someone else doing? You know, instead of me just yeah. being out there going, I need a better halt, you know? So, like, maybe they're asking better than me. I got to try their way. Yeah, exactly. If you'd listen to your husband, you'd know this. But here's the other part. I listen to everybody else's, not his. Don't tell him. Yes, I'm sure. (laughs) But you know when you're riding, you know when you're riding, and your your coach says something, you're just like, you know, I don't want. That's just. And then it, it's not that they're wrong. It's it's coming directly, and it seems like a criticism. Where where this is a little bit more removed. So it's not like, oh my God, you suck. You need a better halt. It's here's what you do to make this better. And so it starts to just simplify the process. Yeah. I just had to tell you before we go any further that the reason I knew it was going to work. Okay. Cause I was really like, I was excited about it, but I was really nervous. But when I thought the process was going to work and I wasn't certain, I'd sent it out to a bunch of riders, this first recording that I did. And I had a really good ride on the horse when I did the, when I did it, like I finished the ride and I was like, this is the best you'd ever gone. It was amazing. But I sent it out to three or four of my riders, 
and they all said, you know, oh my God, it was great. It was like, I just, you know, it just took me into the moment and that was it. And I was excited about that, but you know, your students will lie to you, you know, cause they want, they think you want, want that. Well, they're kind of scared of you. So they have to. Yeah. They, hopefully that part's true. <laughs> so I gave it, I gave it to Jen. I wanted her to listen to it. I was so excited about it. And Jen was, you know, she wanted to do something and it wasn't like, and I was like, no, no, I need you to do this. And she, we started to argue and we got like, we don't, we don't fight very much. We got in this like big argument because all I, I wanted to see it one way. And she was like, wanted to do something else. And I'm like, I need you to record. I need you to listen to this. And she was like, well, I'm doing this. And we got in this huge like argument. And then she took it and she, you know, she went to play and I'm like, no, I said, forget it. Don't even do it. It was a lot more swearing involved. I was like, don't even do it. Like you got to do it the way I want you to do it. Don't do it at all. And, and she went off course. Now she's stubborn because I told her not to do it. So she's going to yeah, do it. She's going to go do it for sure. And she is pissed and she gets on and she goes to ride and she was on Parker and Parker does not respond well to emotional distress. And she went off and she rode and like 45 minutes later, I, I was watching a little bit and I went and I was riding out in the field and I watched the ring a little bit and I was pissed off. And she, she comes out a little bit later and she's like, after about five minutes, I stopped being pissed off. All of a sudden I was just doing the horse and it, she was like, it took me completely out of that, that, that anger and just put me in emotion. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what more? I mean, I was like, there could not be a better endorsement than that. Exactly. You know? Parker and Jen sold. It's going to exactly. work. <laughs> And and not just that, but her pissed off at me. You know that she wants it not to work, so she can tell me that I'm an idiot. You know, that's amazing. Oh my gosh. Well, Kyle. Yeah. So we're really excited to announce here at the end of this interview that Heels Down is doing a really fun collaboration with Ride IQ. So keep an eye out in the Spark beginning April 18th. If you're not a subscriber yet. You should. This is a perfect reason to subscribe. And we'll get you all the details very soon. I don't want to give too much away, but it's going to be a really fun week of Ride IQ and the Spark coming together. And again, yeah. you'll need to subscribe. And if you subscribe and sign up for Ride IQ by then, there's going to be a really great giveaway. And we'll wait a little while to announce those details from the Ride IQ side of things. But thanks to Kyle and the whole team at Right IQ, they are giving Heels Down listeners a wonderful promo. So if you haven't signed up for Right IQ, this is a great time. You can use the promo code Heels Down, all as one word, for a one-month free trial or $29.99 off a Right IQ subscription. The offer is valid through the end of April. And with that promo, uh, you'll be able to get a total of six weeks for free, including the free trial. So this is a great time to try it. If you haven't yet, you can go to ride-iq.com to redeem the promo code and start your free trial. Yeah, we're really excited to to do that as well. And then, like you said, everybody should kind of tune in because I'm not allowed to announce one of the giveaways we're doing, but we're doing it right after Kentucky. The week of Kentucky, we are going to have a booth there. And every day, I think we're doing a giveaway. But at the end of that week, there is a huge one that one of our members has donated because she was, has been so excited about this. And she was like, I just want to help you guys make this, you know, as, as great as possible. And it is, I mean, I cannot believe that someone donated. It's going to be awesome. But they said I couldn't announce it right now. So I'm not going to. And that's okay. the other thing is, you know, Jess, you said that about how did I know that it was going to work in this country? And one of the things we were trying to do is also bring 
um, education to areas that are lacking in some of that education. Because I grew up in a very in a dearth of eventing, and so this would have been really helpful for me to understand how to condition a horse before, uh, you know, I was conditioning them poorly, which I did, just trying to make it up as I went along. And so, but it is a worldwide app. We are right now in 23 countries, I believe, and that's our goal: is to try to do make make it worldwide. We're we're working on um, once we get to a certain point, we're going to try to start a Spanish um, version of it and try to you know kind of help with the. I've done a lot of coaching in South America, and I want to bring more education and knowledge down to them. And that's really what this is about: It's not to be a threat to anybody; it's to try to help people get that knowledge. Because one thing. You know, like we people used to read books and nobody reads anymore. They listen to podcasts and they want to hear it in audio and they want the information immediate and accessible. And this sort of really provides that. For sure. No, it's it's a pretty amazing thing that if you guys as listeners have not checked out Rod IQ, go check it out. It's amazing. There are some incredible instructors in there and, you know, people that I'd wanted to ride with and stuff like that. I've really had fun kind of playing along and riding and doing some of the young horses or playing on some of Doug's bigger horses. It's been a lot of fun. We have a, a, there was an advanced rider that contacted us and I never, I, you know, you don't think they're going to come on board and they were like, Oh, it's great because I get to plan my ride lesson, my jump lesson at the beginning of the week for my horse. And then she's like, and then I get to use it all week. So I don't have to think about it. I can just teach them the application of what, what we're looking for in an exercise. And so it just kind of takes some of the pressure off trying to be creative as well. Absolutely. Well, Kyle, it's been such a treat to chat with you on a variety of things. And we're really excited to see you at Kentucky, uh, but also continue to do all of this great work with Ride IQ. So thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you very much. You guys are doing a great job and I'm excited to see you all at Kentucky and hopefully you'll see me blazing around doing the right things. <laughs> Absolutely. We'll be cheering for you. Buy a Horse Book Day is Tuesday, May 10th, and we hope that you will celebrate with us. Heels Down and Trafalgar Square Books are teaming up to celebrate equestrian authors and horse books everywhere, and we need your help. So please share the hashtag Buy a Horse Book Day leading up to May 10th and share your favorite horse books that you've read. They could be memoirs. They could be coaching books like Doug's Wonderful Manual. There could be any any horse book that's touched you in some way, even Black Beauty or a wonderful novel. We want to celebrate authors because they help take us to a different place when we're lost in their book and they help teach us new things. And we think that's worth celebrating. And if you are a subscriber to the Heels Down Spark, You'll get to read some of our favorite reviews of our favorite books that week and get the first news of giveaways and discounts we're going to be offering from equestrian authors on books from all over. So subscribe to the Heels Down Spark. And for more information about Buy a Horse Book Day, you can check it out at heelsdownmag.com. So today we have a very important guest, one of my really good friends, Will Coleman. He's a five-star event rider who rides in the Grand Prix for show jumping, as well as he has dabbled a little bit in the Hunter Derbies. Will has represented the U.S. event team at the London Olympics, as well as the World Equestrian Games at Tryon. Last year, Will became one of the first and only Americans to win the CHIO Aachen for eventing with the horse off the record. Welcome. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me, guys. So I want to get right into 
It was pretty amazing to watch. I obviously wasn't there at Aachen, but for you to go on and the off the record tours that you've had for forever, go and win Aachen is an amazing thing to put your name up on that wall. What was it like to actually win it? Well, it was amazing. That's probably the best word I can think of to describe it. Aachen's been sort of a, I guess, just a really cherished horse event for me for a long time. I think it's just the pinnacle of, of kind of all the major disciplines and the people who have kind of won Aachen and dressage and jumping and eventing, they're, they're sort of some of the great sportsmen in, in their respective disciplines. And, you know, I said it at the time, but you know, I, I, I don't know if I really deserve to be on that wall with them, but I felt very, very honored and humbled to be there. And my horse and my team and, and everybody that was there all put forth an incredible effort and and it was just a really awesome experience from start to finish so it's a really fond memory and you know we're just trying to you know without forgetting about it we're we're sort of looking ahead and trying to figure out how we can could try to do something like that again very cool well looking forward we're just a few weeks out until Kentucky, and I see, Will, that you have horses entered in both the five-star long and the four-star short. Can you tell us more about the horses you're going to be riding out there in Kentucky? Well, I've got three in the five-star, and they're familiar horses that I've had for a long time. Tight Lines, who's kind of probably my most experienced horse, and I've had him forever, and he's done a bunch of five-stars. And Don Dante, who's a relative newcomer to the five-star level. He did Maryland last fall, but this will be his third attempt at five-star. He had a kind of an unfortunate fall at Kentucky last year, hung a leg into the water, but jumped around Maryland. So this will be, hopefully, I can improve on those two performances a little bit if possible. And then off the record, who's the horse that I took to Aachen, and this will be his second five-star. He did Kentucky last year and I can't remember where he finished, but he jumped around and was quite good. But, you know, hoping to improve a little bit on, on his performance there as well. So got those three in the five star. and uh, Chin Tonic, who's sort of a nice younger horse of mine that is going to do the four short. So tell us about your previous Kentucky experiences. What are you looking forward to most this year? Well, I've had a lot of great events at Kentucky over the years. You know, I, I, I don't know if I'm looking forward to anything more than I do normally this year. I mean, it's I'm, I'm a little bit dreading having so many horses in, and I've I've had had three in the five star last year, and I just remember finishing and saying, "Thank God I don't have a four star horse." And now <laughs> this year I'm going to have a four star horse. Um, so it'll be a really busy weekend, but I just enjoy the challenge of five star eventing, and I really respect how difficult it is, and you know how each horse has maybe their own individual challenges related to that level of, of our sport and trying to figure out how to help them cope with those challenges is, is sort of the fun part of it for me. And I love Kentucky. It's just, I think, such an amazing event, the facilities and, you know, the cross country course. It's, it's, I think it's as good as any event in the world, if not the best. So I, I just, it's our home, you know, well, I guess we have two five stars now, but Kentucky's still sort of the flag bearer for that level of competition in our country. And, you know, the thought of, of going there is just always kind of, I guess if you were a golfer, it'd be the same as going to the masters or something. 
Kentucky's pretty awesome for everybody in this country. And so it's, it's pretty special place and brings a lot of good memories to most people. So we'll be definitely cheering you on there. But I also want to talk to, I don't know if the listeners really know, you have quite a really good string of young horses right now. And I want you to tell them a little bit about it, but tell me some of your favorites. Like, what are you really looking forward to in that next string? Because there are very, you know, there's a lot of people that have some young horses and stuff like that, but you're really creating that depth within the program that they're anything from babies all the way up to the five star, as well as the show jumpers you have. So tell us a little bit about well, some of your favorite horses. Well, you know, actually, I, I don't have a ton of horses right now, event horses. I mean, I've got the three that are going to the five star, and then I've got Chin Tonic, and I've got a really nice kind of relatively new horse. I got him last summer, Cold Red Rum. He's a young horse, but he's not that young. I think he's eight, but sort of a little bit behind. But he's that pipeline behind it. Yeah. Yeah. But so he's, you know, he's eight, but, you know, if I told you he was six, you'd probably believe me. But I think he's really quality. He's got a lot of presence in the dressage, and I just really like his instincts and all three phases, honestly. And he's got a great brain, plenty of flash, and plenty of blood there, I think, too. He'd be kind of my nicest, youngest horse. I'm light on young horses at the moment. I mean, we've we're, we've been looking for horses for the last 18 months, and I've had a lot that, you know, haven't passed the vet or, you know, just maybe weren't quite what we were looking for. And we're, so we're still kind of looking. So I've got sort of a a little bit of a hole in the string at that level, kind of at that nice five, six-year-old coming along that just really isn't there at the moment. But that's sort of something we want to rectify this year. And we, like I said, we've been looking, but we just haven't found them. I do a bit of, I mean, Vicki Castigan, who owns Chintonic for me, we do some young horse stuff and she's got a massive breeding operation in Europe. And we own a mare together that I have two foals now on the ground. I've got a, a young colt by Imatep, who's Vicky Stallion, jumped at the World Games in Normandy. And then we have a full sister to that colt, also by Imatep, who's a filly that they both look stunning, like really, really stunning. Like I'm hoping they could be a follow-up to, to a chin tonic. And then I have another couple of sort of three and four-year-olds over there, but you know they're extremely raw and they're just... I'm still trying to kind of figure out what I think they could be, but finding horses now is a big part of our game. And I would say we've gotten a little bit more selective in the last few years, um, which is maybe why we have fewer in the barn, but I think we're still sort of waiting and looking and ready to strike when we see one, but But that might be okay to be a little selective, wanting the best of the best and wanting to go forward with that. You want something that can win, you know? And so that, that's a rare horse, really, but I think we we have a lot of pride in our program, and hopefully the we feel like we can produce them, and we just want to try to start with horses that you know or have have a high ceiling. And how do you balance horses with jumpers and eventing as well as family life? I feel like our listeners always want to know how these tops in the industry really managed their whole lives. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, you know. My jumper string is also, it's not enormous, like three or four jumpers. You know, we've sold a couple. So I would like to kind of keep three or four jumpers in the bar. I just think it's good for me and I, I enjoy the sport and 
I really enjoy and love jumping, but it's tough. You know, the weekends we're not eventing now. A lot of times we're going to a jump show and really the most difficult part about it is, is just finding enough knowledgeable and, and good staff. I mean, that I think is like a industry wide epidemic at the moment is staffing your barn. And when you have good staff, it's, it's amazing. And we have a really, really incredible core group here, but it's hard to keep your barn properly staffed, like in terms of numbers consistently. That's, that's a challenge, I think, for everybody. And especially when we've got kind of two teams on the road basically all the time. But, you know, Katie and I are, you know, Katie's obviously a huge part of our business and big part of kind of my team. And she's sort of the backbone of our whole operation. And we struggle, honestly, with trying to make time for, for all of it. It's, it's a, a definite balancing act. We're lucky that we live at the farm. We live close to the horses. And our kids are here all the time. So we always feel like we're at least around our family. And I think we compete really hard for certain parts of the year. And then we try to take parts of the year where we consciously try not to go on the road too much and just stay home. And you're still working horses and doing bond stuff, but at least you're at home. and You're just around your kids and, and hanging out, really. You know, we're lucky we live on beautiful farms. I mean, that's a blessing for most kids to be able to grow up in this kind of environment. So we don't look at it as a negative. We just... It is a challenge trying to figure out how to how to make time and, and just make sure that you're running your business and doing all that, but that you also are not totally, uh, you know, we're, we're not that important what we do. We're lucky we get to do it. And, you know, I think we have to just every now and then just remind ourselves that there's other things in life that are just as important or more so. No, that's, it's always a challenge for everybody and everything else, but we can't thank you for coming on and telling us a little bit about like the backside of Will and everything else. Hey, my pleasure, Jess. Good luck to everyone. I know you guys have a busy season coming up too, and I'm really excited to see Doug at Kentucky and the eventing and the jumping. And uh, yeah. I'm jealous of that, but I'm excited for him. And I know that. Hey, we'll really get you there too. It. We'll both have you guys there that you can be in the night class as well. <laughs> Then you'll well, be super nervous on how you don't know how to do it all. Then you'll be like, I'm not sure I can bring them all. <laughs> You're going to have to give Doug well, a pep talk about all be, the horses. Oh, he's going to be fine. Doug, Doug, <laughs> Doug's not, I'm not worried about Doug. You can give him a bourbon and he'll be fine. <laughs> That's right. He's in a good place for that. So exactly. There'll be no so. shortage of bourbon there in Lexington. Exactly. So we'll be cheering you on and thanks so much for coming on. My pleasure, guys. We'll see you guys soon. All right, guys. It's time for Rose and Thorne. Who wants to go first? I can go. All right. Let's hear it. So I guess my rose would be that Batman got his second round of his stem cells this week. So and the vets are happy with him uh, up at Cornell and they're thinking he looks really good. Um, it's too soon to tell whether or not his prognosis has changed. Like if for some reason he will be rideable, but I mean, I'm just happy that he's looking good and hopefully we can get him out of his stall sometime soon. Cause he's, he's angry, <laughs> um, rightfully so. But my thorn would be that since he's inside, I always have to have someone inside with him, which I think. You know, it's not a bad thing for, you know, especially my younger horse to learn to have to be inside sometimes, especially now that we're going to go to some, hopefully some away shows this summer where he'll have to be stalled. But I was planning on taking both Berkeley and Q to a horse show at my 
like where I went to undergrad, uh, they have just like an open show and I was going to make my mom show Berkeley in all of the English stuff and in the Western stuff. Um, That would have been so good. I know. I don't know who I can leave inside because Batman only really likes them. So I'm trying to figure out who I can kind of get him to like a little bit so that I can possibly still take both of those horses off property at the same time. So hopefully it works out. If not, that's okay. Berkeley will get to stay home and Mama Waz will have to uh, find a a different day for pony showing with Berkeley. But oh, how about you? Jess, you want to go or you want me to go? I can go. Okay. So my thorn would probably have to be, I guess the biggest thing right now is, and it's not terrible, but I don't love change. You know me, like I like programs and stuff like that. And Our nanny that's been with us for two years goes everywhere with us. She has decided a couple weeks ago that she's wants to go back home and like she's a bit homesick and misses her friends and everything. And so totally understandable, but we are now getting a new one and I found one. I'm just, I think she'll be great, but I'm nervous about the change. And so change is always a hard thing for us. So, or me in particular. So guess that would be my thorn is that I'm looking forward to it. And I'm really excited about this new one. She starts in a couple weeks, but sad that my old one is going home. So that's like my biggest thing. And then my rose would be that with this whole group of new horses and like good horses, all the ones coming up is that I'm really excited for Kentucky. And I'm excited that the invitational is coming back. I talked to you guys at the beginning of the episode about the horses were going and I'm just really excited that it's Kentucky again and then we get spectators and people are going to be there and the invitational is back and the trade fair is back. And so I guess that's like my rose is that things are slowly getting back to normal and I'm really excited about old Kentucky being back basically. Yeah. And don't worry, change is good sometimes. It could This could be a good move for you, you know? I think so, but I, I'm still sad. Yeah. You know, you get comfortable and she's been great. My kids, we haven't really told them because she's still with us for another week or two. So we haven't really told the kids. We've kind of mentioned it. And the new one's been coming off and on for a couple of days and they love her. But I think for my kids, they're going to be sad. They do love their Lauren. So change will be good, but I'm still sad. So, Justine, what do you have? So actually, I have some change, too. I'll start with my thorn. I am moving Mikey to a new boarding barn. Um, oh, I'm yeah. excited for you, though. Yeah, you know, it's it's like a bittersweet thorn in that we've had a good run at the place we've been at. And with the trainer I've been at, she's really, you know, helped me narrow in on some goals. And I felt like we've we've had some really great success over the last couple of years. But I, I'm looking forward to this new chapter. I'm actually moving to a dressage barn. Ooh, I never thought in my lifetime that would happen. But I am in love with this trainer. Like, I want to be her when I grow up. And she's made some <laughs> very important changes in me and my horse in a very short time over the last few months. And uh, she just has the, you know, no offense, dressage ladies. I love you all. But she's the opposite of a dressage diva. Like, she just has this, like, wonderful hippie energy and like there's like there's just nothing about her barn that is chaotic or you know what I mean or or stressful like the horses are very happy there the people she keeps in you know in her farm are just like wonderful calm inviting nice women and I'm just really excited to be 
be part of that family. So I'm really looking forward to this. And luckily, she's going to let me set up jumps in the backfield. And there's a show jump trainer around the corner. Like I can literally hack down the hack trails to, you know, for lessons to him and have taken a couple lessons from him already. And he's already making important changes in me too. So it just feels like a, the right next move for both you know, Michael and I. So, um, but it is bittersweet. So that leads me to my rose, which I did one last horse show with my current crew, with my trainer in the, in the barn family I'm with now. It was just the local hunter jumper schooling show that we always go to around here in Tampa. And I'm trying to log more miles at the three, three in the jumper ring and trying to get Mikey to be a little bit sharper at that height. And we're making progress. It's definitely still a work in progress, but the highlight of that horse show for sure was every spring, the circuit does a champagne derby and it's basically you ride a derby course, but holding a flute of champagne in one hand. And the entry fee goes to supporting their rider incentive fund, which is like a young rider uh, scholarship program. So it's super fun. And like the the winner, you win like a very fancy bottle of champagne, like a really nice bottle of champagne. So I came all out. I wore the shad. I I like I was like, I'm going to do this for real if we're going to do this. So we looked very fancy. If nothing else, I was 100% the best dressed. Sorry, I just have to say. But a girlfriend of mine from <laughs> from our barn did it with me and she won and she was like amazing. Like she just had this foot perfect derby course where like it had rollback turns, it had a trot fence, it had a halt and you had to sit trot out of the arena. Like it was not easy to hold a champagne flute and and do that. And you know, it was judged based on like who had the most champagne still in their glass at the end. And so Mikey and I got third, a very respectable third place finish, but it was a lot of fun. And it was super fun to have our barn win the class, you know, that's so, pretty awesome. That is, yeah, awesome. it was a lovely last outing with a group of, you know, ladies I really love. And, you know, I forged very important friendships at this barn. So it's nice to end on a good note. Yeah. I did one of those with Berkeley one time, but it was a Bloody Mary class. And I'm really Ooh. grateful we used water because I was so afraid that they were going to give us Bloody Marys and I was going to spill it on my, like, oh my God, pad. right? And the, <laughs> I was like, no. <laughs> that would yeah. have been a huge mess. I should have practiced because, like, trying, like, you know, Michael's, you know, he doesn't neck rain. You know what I mean? He was like, what are you doing up there? <laughs> but, yeah. but it was a lot of fun. It was super fun. That's awesome. All right. So we got a mailbag for you guys. I want to know what horse products have you used on yourself? No wrong answers, but also don't lie. So who wants to go first? Ellie, you want to go first? There's a lot that I've used. I'm trying, I've got to think. So I'm thinking maybe you'll give me ideas of what I, I'm sure I've used more than what I can think of. But Courtney and I were just having this conversation today, which is what's very strange. That's and funny. It will, we just got in new Cowboy Magic and she like ran to the shipment and was like, I need the leave-in conditioner and detangler. It's amazing. And I was like, I'm not going to lie. I've used that on my own hair. And <laughs> KR was like, that actually might be where I'm at in my life right now. <laughs> like, I need to start adding it. And I'm like, as kids, my mom, like we'd be late to go to dinner or somewhere. And I'd be like, I haven't showered. And I'd be like 10 years old, right? She's like, just wash your hair in the hose and take some horse shampoo. So oh my like, gosh. you know, whatever horse shampoo was there, wash our hair. And then, but the conditioner was like super gross for my hair. Cause I have very fine, like greasy hair. But if you did the shampoo and then the cowboy magic leaving conditioner with a tiny, tiny amount, 
you could brush your hair no problem because then I had to find like a really clean ish brush. That was the harder part. That was probably the grossest part was trying to find a great clean brush and yeah. pray there was one in the car. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What but about the, you, Ellie? Yeah. Ellie, what have you done? And maybe I'll know some more. So I've definitely done the cowboy magic. It's good. And you know, it looks so shiny, <laughs> but yeah. um, I've definitely also done that with a dirty brush. And like my mother's had to tell me like, there is a piece in your hair. I'm like, Oh, <laughs> oops. <laughs> I was like, good thing. This restaurant isn't that fancy. The other thing is I used to actually use main and tail, like the brand, like shampoo yeah, and conditioner. Yeah all the time. I don't really remember how that started, but like I used to use it on my hair all the time before I started dyeing it and it works real well. The other thing is that like that TRICARE stuff, like just that wound stuff. It's not antibiotic or it's got some. Oh, you use that for like cuts? Yeah. I've on used yourself? that. Oh, I've yeah. done that on cuts for myself. Like, yeah. For sure. Chapstick, lotion. Okay. Oh, okay. Right. Not chapstick and lotion. Never thought about it for that. Yeah. Don't but use like, chapstick. It, it burns a little bit. Um, yeah, but if I like but had a in a pinch, whatever, I've done that. <laughs> yeah, in a pinch. And the SSD in a pinch is good for lotion if your hands are really dry yep. and you're like okay. really tired. That's okay because that's like a wound care, anyways. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think the yeah. weirdest one I've ever done. Um, oh, scary. And my sister and I have both done this, and it actually works real well. So hear me out. Um, but we've actually There's used. No poultice as a face mask my face would have fallen off i know it's i was so gonna say sensitive. yeah There's no way i would have lived through that day so i think it started as a joke that my sister and i did when like we were kids when we were like learning how to poultice so my sister was probably like six and i was uh, four years it older definitely than doesn't her. feel good when i rinse it off my hands after no. applying it. yeah oh, it feels so. real good on your face like i'm talking about like that's the, no way the the purple tin brand, like the purple j- jar brand. Exfoliating, huh? Is what you're saying? Yeah, it makes your skin so soft. I mean, I wouldn't leave it on forever, but like a lot of the times Lauren and I would, you know, poultice a horse, throw some on our face and then wash it off in the barn sink. And I remember the barn owner walked by one time and she was like, what is going on here? I was like, this works real well. And if you haven't tried it, you're missing out. So fun fact, do that at horse shows because then your skin is so soft. <laughs> I don't oh know if I could do that. So I, I, Jess, I feel like we've, we've had this conversation before. Cause I remember I have a vague memory of Sally saying she took a liniment bath one time and that was a bad idea. Like she put it in a bathtub yes. thinking yes. it would be helpful, but you forget it's that stung. it goes in other places. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. And then yeah, I remember had that. Caroline talking about when we reviewed the Revitavet uh, red light therapy that she used it on her body before. Yeah, I mean, I've done the laser on my back for sure. Yeah, definitely. Like all the time. Like I actually didn't believe the laser. This might be not really appropriate, but I was like, that doesn't really work. And so I've always had a bad back. So I did Doug have me. I'd lay on my back on the floor and where I couldn't see anything. And he would laser one side of my back only for a week, like every other day, laser my back one side. And I've had a terrible back. And then I could tell what side was better. And you I was could, like, I could. Yeah. And so I did do the laser and that, that changed my out- outlook on it big time. Okay. But like ointments and stuff. I'm trying to think. Um, I'm trying to think too. So like, I've definitely done liniment on like a sore shoulder at a horse show, you know, oh, or surpass is good. Oh, interesting. Surpass okay. is like, actually when I 
you know, cut my finger off and all that. And it had like some arthritis and stuff. They told me to put Sarpass like on the joint at the knuckle so that mm-hmm. it didn't get like stiff and everything. And they told me to use the Sarpass. Interesting. Okay. So Sarpass is good. Um, what else I have I used? I mean, I've I- like makeshift like a bandaid with vet wrap, but I don't feel like that. Oh, really- sure. Yeah, no, and I fix oh, like always, broken yeah. boots with vet wrap. Yeah, all kinds of yeah. Or vet wrap. I mean, everything duct tape fixes everything. So I will tell you, I was in a pinch sleeping in the barn, and like in an emergency situation, had to go to like a work thing, and going like I don't have time to go home to shower, right? And I've I've used my Sterling Essentials lavender saddle conditioner and like just dabbed it on my wrists and like <laughs> under my neck because it smells so good. <laughs> stop it so and i was stop like okay so like maybe that'll take the sweat you know the sweat barn smell away but i have done that no I, I don't it does it's like you know if you rub it in you know quickly enough it's almost Do you like not just keep it. a deodorant in your car i just it was like one of those days where i just didn't have anything and i was in a bind <laughs> I mean, like what yeah. do i do you know and i was like this stuff smells pretty good i'll try so nice. I mean, only other thing I know about, which I mean, definitely do not recommend my Western coach in college who gosh is like 83. Now when he dislocated his shoulder, he took a couple tabs of butte. Um, oh, wow. Don't do that. That's don't bad. do that. That would not be good. <laughs> yeah. Somehow he's still kicking though. He no. still rides at 83. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I think that's about it. Like I, I bought Draper and back on track products you know, because I see that it works on my horse, but I bought, I've bought the human bought ones. them for myself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've done that. So, yeah. All right. Well, but if we want to hear from you guys, if you've used an interesting, uh, <laughs> horse product on yourself, again, there are no wrong answers here. So, uh, and no shame, feel free to share that with us in our Facebook group, which is the heels down happy hour, Facebook lounge. And if you have a question for us, you want us to answer on the air, you can always send us an email. If you don't feel like you want to post it in the Facebook group, the email is hello at heelsdownmedia.com. And if you want to hear more from us, you should subscribe to the Heels Down Spark. Uh, do it now before our Ride IQ campaign begins April 18th. And so you could be, you'll be in the know for that big giveaway that Kyle hinted at. You can sign up if you're not already a subscriber by going to bit.ly slash Spark by HD. And we want to say thanks to our partners this week, Eco Gold and Purina. All right, guys. I guess we won't talk until Kentucky, huh? I know. It'll be a couple weeks, but we'll talk. So, but cheers, cheers to Kentucky. Anyways.